The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Copenhagen Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst's work you'd find over at MMAJunkie.com. And on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. I'm getting it out about 32 hours or so, recording it about 33. We'll see how long this runs. Uh, before, UFC on ESPN+. Plus. 18, UFC Fight Night 160, UFC Copenhagen, UFC Hermanson versus Cannoneer. Um, of course, just a reminder, if you're wondering about Bellator, I already covered that. Um, recorded that about 24 hours ago. It should be already be on your feed. Cover Bellator Dublin, which hasn't started yet as of this recording. And uh, also cover Bellator 228, which actually goes down after this card, so... If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, you still have time to double back uh, on that one. Try to keep it very brief. Trying to keep these all business in general. Been trying to generally, but been a bit of a crazy week. So again, apologies for that emotional episode. I'm doing all right. Uh, that's the update. Uh, everybody, everybody's holding strong, and uh, we'll keep it to that, shall we? Uh, UFC Mexico City recap. Oh, real quick, just want to shout out. Um, well, by the time you guys get this, it'll the, the clock will stri- stricken twelve. It'll no longer be his birthday, but still show him some love. Gorgeous George's uh, birthday uh, from MMA Junkie Radio over there. Uh, go ahead and give him some love there. Also, make sure you you're still you're following them. Uh, the stream is is still up. They're doing some. Uh, recording in the mornings there, giving some news updates for Junkie Radio. They got the Off Guard series, and they also got a Patreon, the uh, Gorgeous George and uh, Go Show. Uh, so give all those things love and check them out if you haven't already. And happy birthday, Gigi. Uh, Gigi, of course, is a degenerate like like a lot of us, too. So he, he will pop in here from time to time on the podcast and get some uh, gambling tidbits uh uh, as one of his references uh, there. Because, again, you know, uh, like I tell you guys, too, keep keep multiple references. Uh, I'm not saying you should use me, but if you are, I appreciate you. That's what I'm here for. That's why this is free, and I consider it a service. So, that being said, three minutes and change. Let's get to a recap of UFC Mexico City. UFC on ESPN+. Plus. No, I'm not going to go through all the titles. You get what I'm saying. And then as per usual, yes, check the timestamps if need be. It should be a fairly quick episode if you want to jump ahead. But yes, we will then break down UFC Copenhagen from top to bottom and recapping, recapping, recapping. Wow, it's late and Dan hasn't had a lot of sleep. Recapping the picks and plays at the very end of the episode as per usual. Um, yeah, this was a crazy card. Uh, we'll start off from the top and we'll blow through the bottom. Uh, 
But there wasn't really much of a fight. Obviously, you know, 15 seconds in, Jeremy Stevens gets eye poked. We've seen a lot of the fallout. We've seen a lot of the videos, and sadly, we've heard uh, we've heard a lot of the the the, the, uh, the slurs, right? And uh, which is which is just kind of a a, a bummer all around. You know, it's a seems to be the MMA fighter's weapon of choice, though. And uh, relax, don't worry. I'm not gonna. I'm about to move on from it, really. I, I'm not going to get on a high horse or anything like that. But at the same time, even Dan Tom, you know how politically incorrect I am. In some words, I I hold on even though I tell myself not to, like the old R word, right? Uh, but I'll say I, I'll say this, even from someone who doesn't get offended, and you know who who came up and then you know in, in the early '90s where, where that that stuff didn't mean you know a homophobic slur. You know what, though, it, it was still a mean one <laughs> when you when you called someone like that. Even though we weren't, you know, uh, we, we weren't trying, you know, we we, we, we weren't trying to offend uh, any anybody's sexuality or use it in those contexts. And yeah, I just anytime I heard that, you know, when someone called that, even even back then, I was like, oh, it's just mean, man. <laughs> that seems to be the MMA fighters' weapon of choice. I don't know why. Um, just an observation I'm sharing. Uh, I, I, I'll leave it at that. Um, no need to state the obvious any further, right? But yeah, it, it was uh, it was kind of a bummer, and the, I guess the, the biggest bummer, obviously, and the most stocked down of anybody, and deservedly so. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> Yair Rodriguez, man, and I hate. I was just talking to my buddy, my buddy Brian. Uh, shouts, shouts to Brian. There, has been on this uh, podcast many times before. Not, not goes. Uh, my buddy Brian Schoenhofer. Um, and he's like, you called it, dude. I hate it when I'm right, man. I hate it when I'm right. You know, I had the same thing. I said the same thing with John Jones. Like something, you know, something about the talent and being young and athletically gifted. And you, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're from, folks, or what, what, what color your skin is. If you were, if if you are are, are a standout above the rest and are just given these God-given athletic gifts like some of these guys. Not all. Not all. This isn't a blanket statement by any means. This is, and, and, and even these people where it does apply, it doesn't mean they're they're bad people. It doesn't mean they're beyond reprieve. Not what I'm saying here. What I am saying, though, is when you have these things, and we see it in all sports, right, uh, the fight game and, and all, in different sections, boxing, everything, right? So this is, again, this is, this is picking on anybody or any sport here. Because, again, it doesn't matter what race, creed, sport, when you're a young kid like that and you get just that ego injection and things may become a little bit easier, again, back to those God-given talents, boy, is it easy to kind of lose track of fucking reality sometimes with some situations. And, you know, I know this, this is the language thing and I'm not, I don't think that applies too much here, but it does apply for this. And not that it's an excuse for Yair. But Jones is at least more like, you know, whether he's admitting to it or he's denying it and playing politics, it, there's a little bit more of a genuineness there, whereas Yair is just like, I fucking, what the fuck is he, fucking, fuck, fuck, fuck. He just, you know, gets all pissy and shit. This is not very endearing, maybe is the word I'm searching for here. And, uh, and yeah, it was just kind of gross just to see, like, you poked him in the eye, you fouled him as clear as day, and just to compare it to the Frankie Edgar fight, completely different injury, where you lost, and the doctor still stopped it, um, it was just really just stupid, and, uh, 
And yeah, it really is easy to root against. They rebooked it for a co-main event in Boston, which makes sense. Um, I, I don't like it, though. Uh, I think common knowledge, people are like, oh, I think it's good for Stevens three rounds. But no, I mean, if you, you listen, remember my breakdown on the fight, I actually like that it was at altitude and um, five rounds because just even though on paper, Yair Rodriguez should have that advantage, he takes he takes breaks and that, that pressure that Stevens was going to bring, I think was going to be problematic and make him work. Um, not that he can't get it done in three, uh, not that I won't pick him, but it's going to be a lot less confident. I'll just say that. Uh, and I'm real curious to how Yair will be received in Boston and of all places in America to, you know, get that return of the favor, uh, there. And, you know, about that, that was gross. You know, that was a bummer, you know, about what, uh, Carla, but at the same time, and it, I'm not saying this is like, it's okay by any means, but I wasn't surprised. And, and most people will cite soccer. I'm really ignorant to soccer, so I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm aware of it, so I mean, it doesn't surprise me in that sense. Uh, so I guess it kind of does add to that point, whatever that point is worth. But I, I, for me, it was I, I just watched. I watched boxing. Grew up watching boxing in the '90s and uh, early '90s, and I, this was like in the late '90s. It was in Mexico City as well. It was a Don King promotion. I forget what fight it was and how it ended. But everybody was like ripping off their like maroon seat cushions and they were just tossing into the ring. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at DanTomMMA if anyone if this rings a bell with anybody. And they're just bombarding it and they're doing they're trying to do a post fight like wrap up to make sense of the madness and the fight, right? Uh, and they got Don King there and like Don, what do you think? Because again, I can't remember exactly the fight, so forgive me. But the question was about the controversy that obviously sparked the crowd getting pissed off in the first place. Like, what do you think about it, Don? He's like, I just want to say, and you, you can see them like, you know, their, their sight line is above the camera and above the lights. It's, you know, they're even doing ducking motions because things, things are like hailing in on them, right? And he's like, I just want to say, first of all, that I love my Mexican brothers and sisters. I love the Mexican people. I love all my brothers and Mexican, but I don't care that they're brown. I love them like my own. He's just going like it. He's afraid he's going to get mobbed. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's my, I'm going to, I got to try to look that, I'm going to try to look that up, actually. I'm going to try to look that up after the podcast. I'm going to write that down now, and maybe I'll edit it as, like, an Easter egg at, at the end. Um, there. Yeah, Don King, and I got to try to find that. But, yeah, so, uh, and, and and again, I, I, I even tweeted, too, with the, because, uh, and, and again, this doesn't excuse it at all, but it, you got to understand, it wasn't just that call you had, which we'll get to that fight. Uh, I, I had it scored for, for Moreno. Uh, there was a lot of arguments and a lot of scores. I, I was, I'm not even trying to die on that hill or any of them, but I will say probably a more, a pretty clear argument for, 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 for Moreno if you wanted it. Um, and I'll explain why I guess when we get to that fight as best as I can. And then you had the Carla Esparza one, which, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was MMA Junkie John on the, uh, shots to the MMA road show. And, and he, he said it perfectly. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm sure, you know, we, me and the me and the guys have have kind of hashed these things out the morning after. But uh, I'll just kind of repeat what John said because really he just said it perfectly. Pretty much just like anytime you're, because he covers the fights from inside, especially so you really get that he really gets that same observational feel. And he's watched you know fights obviously, so he knows what he's watching. But the crowd generally, anytime someone wins that third round, even if they lost the first two. It, and granted, those were close rounds in this fight, but even if it was kind of somewhat clear, this will still happen. If someone's just losing clearly that third, 
the bell rings and then that person wins that was getting it handed to him in the third round the crowd just tends to go nuts so uh you had a lot of those things and i believe it was after the esparza fight back to my original thought that i trailed off of which i tweeted kind of that was portending foreshadowing uh what was going to happen in the main event where i was just like uh cause I, think, I don't know if they're like taking long on the cards or something for grasso um esparza but i i was just tweeted the dana white line like if i put this belt on you right now they're gonna start throwing shit in the ring <laughs> in the octagon which was uh Quoting Dana White post UFC 229 brawl, talking to trying to talk sense into Khabib in the uh, octagon there. So yeah, we'll just move on to that uh, co-main event now. Uh, yeah, Sparza defeated Grasso, got that one right, but I wasn't confident it was going to go that way. I actually thought it could have been in a draw. Um, we were seeing it wasn't consistent as, as per normal, and there were some questionable cards as per normal in an MMA event, right, guys and gals, but. The one thing I do want to give credit, regardless of the region, uh, the judges, we are seeing them not more often than not, but more than usual, I think is a fair way to state it, and more accurate way to state it, is more than usual uh, emphasizing damage, which by the way, they should. Damage in, in the new rules are, em are emphasized, and even if they're not using the new rules, damage still is supposed to be weighed heavily, and let's be honest, how we... We're all wishing, and, and you know, for the majority uh, people in the know, which is why the new rules kind of emphasize it. Anyways, um, yeah, so I thought it was a ten nine for uh, a ten eight for Grosso in that that second round. I mean, you're snapping the girl's arm, da, 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 but at the same time, man, you get your arm snapped like that, and you fight through. You deserve to fucking win the decision. Jesus, Sparza is tough, man. She doesn't get 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 enough credit, and hopefully, she starts too now. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, sorry, I'm gonna speed this up, folks. Uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't have too much of a problem with that. I, 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 I thought the first two rounds were close, but Esparza was hanging in there with shots herself. Even after she would get tagged, she would strike a little longer than I would like as someone who bet Esparza. But to her credit, was hitting Grasso hard in return. Uh, although Grasso obviously wears it really well. But yeah, uh, no, too, not too much complaints. Uh, Brandon Moreno defeats Askar Askarov, or no, it ends in a split draw. Uh, I'm not mad at it. I, I, with the draw, I think a lot of times the undefeated fighter it weighs on these judges, and they're more hesitant to give these guys losses. I'm not saying that's why here, but you know, I'm just it's just a thought of mine that pops up because you, you do see it in this situation a lot. Um, I can't remember exactly if it was like a Moreno one and two and then Askarov three kind of a thing. And then it was just round two was the close one uh, or whatnot. Or round one was the close one. I couldn't remember. Um, Moreno actually had a pretty good thing of, of it. I do remember this though between one and two. I'm pretty sure I remember people giving Moreno round one. Yeah, that's what it was. People giving Moreno round one. And some people were uncertain about round two. And some people were giving... Uh, Moreno round two, but at the same time, man, if I remembered better, it's hard to kind of make an argument when I'm barely piecing it together in my head. Apologies, but essentially, was the majority of the people I believe agreed on round one for a general consensus of uh, again defending takedowns, not allowing a lot of control when taking down, scrambling, and just doing the damage, punctuating right. Moreno was doing, and if you're going to give it to him. The round, round round one to him based on that, which is rightful, which I agree, and, and I believe the rules would agree with that, then for the work that he did in round two, you should also um, give it to him. But 
I, I feel like that I just kind of just saw the arguments kind of just going into a blender from everybody's scorecard at that point on. So maybe a split draw was appropriate. I'm I'm skating on marbles here, so I'll just stop myself before I I, I take you any further. <laughs> of course, Arena Aldana, Aldana defeat Vanessa Mello by an decision. She went for it, uh, but got that decision. Um, another reason why I stayed away because I wasn't sure how it was going to end. The line was super inflated, but happy to see Aldana come through. Steven Peterson. Uh, shouts to the gentleman who uh, understood that reference there, how I say his name, and, and was, uh, you know, talking about the Chicago, Chicago Police Department. Steven Peterson. Chicago Police Department, uh, which of course referencing Cameron Ferris Bueller's day off as prank phone call skills, and Steven Peterson showed some skills, his spinning back for skills, and poor Martin Bobble, man, this guy gets toasted, he gets fucking toasted, man, like, just, uh, you know, <laughs> sort of between Bravo and, and Pollo Reyes, like the only Mexican dudes without a chin, right, like Jesus Christ, when... But when Bravo goes, he fucking goes like a Looney Tunes character, man. Like, it's Looney Tunes ending or bust for Bravo. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick there. I hope he's all right, man. But was happy for Steven Peterson. Jumped off my out of my seat for that. Um, didn't see the late shots because I was probably just going, woo. But uh, that was super cool of him to be like, hey, you know, that was not, not cool me. But happy for him and his team there. Undercard, Jose... Jose Teco Quinones defeats Joaquin. Joaquin looked terrible. Good on Quinones. Bad, bad pick. Shot my shot there. Um, by the way, went, I think it went like 1-1-2 one, one, and two on my straight plays and 7-3-2 and two in picks here. Kyle Nelson defeated uh, Pollo Reyes. Uh, quick KO. The monster looked good. I'm going to keep saying it. Like he's from New England, even though he's Canadian. Angela Hill uh, got that doctor stoppage. Um Probably could have let it go, but, you know, maybe they stopped it early because it was a ladies' fight against Ariane Carnelo. See? Sir Sergio, Serginho Pettis uh, defeats Tyson Nam. Was rooting for Nam. Uh, I ended up sprinkling a small flyer on him, even though I picked Sergio. Didn't come through. Safe fight for Sergio to get the win. Paul Craig defeats Vinicius Mojeda, man. That guy's, that guy's awful, man. Tap the mat hard. Paul Craig separate separates the uh, yeah. What's what there? Good on Paul Craig. Happy to see him get the bonus. Besh Kohea defeats Sajara Eubanks via unanimous decision. She does her dance. Man, Besh man, she gets tagged in those first rounds. She comes back, doesn't doesn't she? Uh, this was a bad pick. It just was two terrible guys though. But man, if if you're making Claudio Puelles look good. Get at get him, hey Marcos Mariano. You clearly were here for a. You're here that you're that dude who gets a favor, family favor, and uh, Claudio Puelles took care of him accordingly. All right. Wow, sorry. That was uh. UFC Mexico. As we move on to, I'm going to see if uh. Dives is back up and running. There we go. It is. There we go. Pull up some lines here. UFC Copenhagen. Usually we're going to go from top to bottom. Uh, starting with the main event. Uh, this fight I do have written uh, up at uh, MMAJunkie.com in case I miss anything here. Some stats and tidbits. Got the write-up and video and the rest we will cover accordingly. Of course.
Yes, sir. Affirmative. Acknowledge. Is that Red Alert 2 Command and Conquer? Y'all know what I'm talking about? No, damn, because we don't reference 2D games, you fucking old bastard. All right, first fight. <laughs> Jack Hermanson, minus 245. Jared Cannonier, plus 205. I bet James Lynch would appreciate some old 2D Red Alert references there. Probably wasn't his game, but he is, the, he is a game fanatic. Shouts to Mr. Lynch. Yeah, uh, this line hasn't moved too much. So I guess we all kind of agree, but at the same time, perhaps we... As much as we like Hermanson, which is me, and we respect Canadier, which is also me, me uh, we're not, not worth touching him at, at that price. I mean, unless you're a Canadier fan, of course, then it's worth taking a shot. But clearly, it's just not tempting a lot for either side because this line really hasn't budged much from from, from my memory or views here. Looking throughout Zavik. Throughout Zavik. Um, but I like Jack Hermanson here. Um no, I did not pick him last time out. I thought Jacare was just going to be a terrible matchup for him, but man, he just fought the perfect fight, and you know Jacare didn't look into it, and yada yada, and it wasn't his best performance. But you can't take anything away from Jack. He really put it together that night. Um, you know, he always has that long jab, but you know that short counter right on the inside that he hit—that was nice. I mean, he punches well on the inside. He's, Dirty boxing is his forte, so that's not a surprise, but just the kind of shot that he initially rocked Jacare with in the thing of the first round. Um, and I think that jab will just serve him well against Cannoneer, uh, his jab and his movement. Um, Cannoneer's calf kicks can really help tamper down on that movement, but Hermanson can catch some kicks and uh, change his level. He's not beyond doing that. He's done that in fights before, so... And I think he's going to have to do that, a well-timed level change, because forcing it against the fence is not as easy. as it, I don't want to say as it used to, because, well, it isn't, because Cannoneer, mainly to his credit here, let's be honest, he's, he's worked on it. Uh, John Crouch over there at MMA Lab, he's, you know, giving him a lot of good direction there with the jiu-jitsu and the counter, he's getting some counter-wrestling chops from his teammates. But also, let's be honest, he's a really strong cat, Cannoneer, and uh, coming down from heavyweight, light heavyweight, now middleweight, I mean, you just saw that base. It was like uh, David Branch was... I know he's not the most noted wrestler, but David Branch can wrestle, and he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and it was like just running into a brick wall. Um, that being said, Hermanson is is a not just a better MMA wrestler, more credential wrestler than David Branch, but if he does end up in the clinch, that's where Jack Hermanson is actually stronger than his level-changing takedowns, although the level-changing takedowns will be better. Jack Hermanson, a Greco-Roman wrestler, so he he's really good in that clinch um, as well. And uh, he just seems to have a hellacious pace, so I think he maybe tests Cannoneer there. Uh, not that Cannoneer looks like he really gasses. Looks like he's in crazy shape, mental fortitude. A guy that looks like he prepares, doesn't cut corners. But Cannoneer doesn't really have the five-round experience. I think he really got to go like to his regional scene as a heavyweight, uh, you know, before he was uh, in a five-rounder. I think that was only one off the top of my head, but, um, you know, he's traveling for this one. Uh, Jack Hermanson wanted the spot. He's not the type to sleep on a guy like Cannoneer, though, really, who would? Um, yeah, I, I just like Hermanson here. Uh, I could see it getting done by decision, but I think he stops him in the fourth round, either by just kind of a trit of strikes from that mount because he does hit really hard. Or uh, getting the submission, which is probably more likely. I think I, I, I took a little nibble on uh, 
Hermanson by sub, and I'm just going to wait to see what the line does. Um, I threw him in my... Yeah, I don't think I really did any parlays aside from the one uh, I'll, I'll pay off here today uh, and then the, the regular one, uh, which I, I probably my main card picks and Hermanson's in that. So I don't know what I'm doing with that one, but that's the pick. It's Jack Hermanson, fourth round, uh, probably by submission. All right. Uh, Mac O'Madson, minus 700 versus Danilo Bilorado. Bilorado. Bilorado, plus 500 is the comeback on. The Italian. Uh, I like Madsen here. Um, you know, he just looks like a uh, mix between, you know, Josh Emmett and uh, Matt Grundy. And uh, he, uh, you know, bald, stout guy. What was I going to say? Oh, it was, uh, you know. Ah, I forget. I forget. But, uh, but yeah, he, uh, you know... His striking is fairly basic, but he's confident in it. And, uh, you know, is not terrible guard, not terrible defense, not terrible technique at all. Can knock guys out. His heavy power, kind of that Dan Henderson effect, you know. And he really knows how to work it off of uh, closing distance, faking the level change, and come up high with that shot. Uh, plays off that well. But he's also more of a Greco-Roman guy, like uh, Hermanson. So he... Uh, he likes to get it done from the clinch a lot, although he can change the level if he needs to. Uh, on top, really good, really tight game. Doesn't skimp on the jujitsu at all. Uh, knows how to pass, comfortable from half full, in transit, in scrambles. Uh, we'll take it back if it if it comes up. Um, just really solid. And considering that, even though Italy primarily put, puts out kickboxers, Bilarado seems like a guy who likes to get on top, and that's probably going to be the worst matchup if he's going against a really good wrestler. Uh, so I just, and as soon as he got on bottom in that fight with uh, Joel, Joel Alvarez, he just, we just saw him wilt. So I don't know if it's by like strikes or submission, but uh, I did take Madsen at plus money. Let me pull it up. I, I usually write these down ahead of time, but what's its fuck? Uh, Dimes is spazzing out and shit. Shit. Um, plus 120. And I just threw a whole unit on that because I'm not playing that minus 700. So, plus money on a preferred outcome, you know. Yeah, I, I like that. He's only has three decisions. And um, also keep in mind the crowd's going to be the, the loudest for him. They have, like, songs for this guy. And they're going to cheer him on like crazy. That's going to fuel him to be more aggressive than he is. Uh, which could be dangerous, but not so much in this matchup. And it's also going to... Maybe create uh, Bellarado to wilt faster. And Bellarado is a do or die fighter. His four losses are all by knockout. And I don't have his wins in front of me. Most of them are, are you know, I, I believe by uh, some type of finish. So he's a do or die guy. And it's going to force the die, I believe. Um, yep, yeah, sorry. I'm uh, just, just looking at me, 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 me plays here. All right, Danny. Go back. Next matchup. Gilbert, the Hino, minus 130 burns. Uh, and the comeback on Gunnar Nelson. Gunny, Gunny, plus 110. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just had a flashback. I remember when uh, pre-UFC 189, uh, 
seeing Gunnar Nelson in the Whole Foods I used to work at and just kind of, uh, after I get off my shift, I would do a little bit of grocery shopping. And I was turning corners or some random aisle and there was Gunnar Nelson there. And I would, a lot bigger than I thought he was, he would be. I was like, oh, hello there. Yeah, that was also, I remember seeing Connor came into the store and he got on uh, one of the, uh, what do you call those auto cart things? Those, those manual for like the old people. And I thought he was just doing it to be a, you know, to be be a, a douche or whatever, but he wasn't being too douchey about it or anything. Like he was being super cool because this was before that version of Connor is like giving us fist bumps. It's like, he's like, my man, how's it going? Uh, but, uh, and I was like, oh, I think he might be injured. And then sure enough, later that came out, he was injured. That camp for Mendez. Um, I even found out what house that he stayed And I found out, like, it was just, I, fuck, I think I found it by accident just from watching the embedded because I, I knew the area so well, the neighborhood he was staying in. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going down that path like y'all fucking care. But Gooney, Gooney Nelson. Um, uh, those were the days, though, wasn't it? Uh, um, Gooney Nelson. Um, yeah, man. I, uh, what the fuck's he been doing? I looked at this fight a couple of days ago. I took Burns here, and I, I wasn't super confident in it. And I'm still not super confident in it, but I guess I am a little more with the old uh, fade the G there. Uh, you know, uh, see, seeing who he's on. Um, but yeah, split decision. I don't know about that. Show show some heart though, and that uh, you know Gunnar Nelson. Um, and the thing is, it's Gilbert Burns. It's it's, it's another short notice fight, right? He did it against Alexei Kachenko, but he was able to go the three rounds, so he kind of tired. But again, it's understandable. You know, a thick ass, experienced, prepared welterweight. Kachenko and uh, Burns is putting out a pace right for two rounds so but Burns is also kind of gas and hit, hit walls before at 155 too so it's just a thing that said Gunner has too especially when he's gone against you know fellow grapplers like Damian Maya um, you know his fights are kind of typically our do or die so if he can't knock out Burns or submit him this is going to be a grappling match, and though both guys for jujitsu guys have really good wrestling, uh, not, I mean, not really, I mean, really good for what you'd expect from jujitsu from jujitsu players that aren't wrestlers slash from wrestling cultures or communities, so to speak. The wrestling is pretty, pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, although I will say Dorinha is more of an advantage, maybe advantage to Nelson in the clinch, maybe even in this fight. Um, again, Nelson. Nelson Everyone says not the biggest welterweight, but I mean, I don't know. I still remember him pretty being sizable. But uh, Burns, though, you know, he's, he's he he has like level changing takedowns and he can hit stuff in the open and uh, even do it in the third round when he does look tired. So I'll take Burns for a decision here, but uh, I don't think I I don't think I really 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 played much uh, played much on that one. All right, uh, next fight, Khalil Roundtree, minus 130. Uh, Eon Cute Lava, plus 110. Again, I got to stay biased anytime Khalil fights. Uh, I'm going to pick him pretty much. Um, he's a dude from back in the day, so I, I actually played him. Don't go off that cliff with me. Uh, he, he's my only uh, 
Straight play. I just put 1.5 on the minus 130 personally. Um, I, you know, cute love. I mean, his act is, is fun. I, I love it, but um, I caught on to it early and have not been afraid of picking against him since Misha Serkinov onward. And I think most of the time that's proven right. Uh, Khalil looks pretty dialed in, and this is not the kind of matchup that's going to trust. A guy that falls apart, another guy, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be some mental durability. And and physical durability, and uh, Eric Anders had both those, and even that wasn't enough, right? You know what I'm saying? So not taking a shot on old Eric there, but uh, <laughs> not that Eric's old, but you know what I'm saying? Not taking a shot at Eric there, but, I mean, it's just it's true. Uh, when Khalil's on, it's just really tough. It's, that's the question, though, right? Is Khalil on? And I'm not trying to take a shot at Khalil there either, just being honest, right? Um, because, you know, he, I'm sure he, you know, he would admit himself, you know, like a lot of these fighters, uh, would admit, you know, sometimes they they don't have the best performances. You know, you can't always be your day. Uh, I I think it will be his at least enough to win. Um. Oh, by the way, yeah, it's sprinkled. Yeah, Hermanson submission plus one sixty. I told you guys that already. Sorry, and Matson inside the distance was plus one twenty. Um. Oh, Burns by three round decision is is plus one seventy. That uh, if that interests y'all. All right, let's take a look at the uh, next fight here. All right, back up to the top. Uh, Mikhail Lord Oleksijk. Oleksijk. Minus 240 with OSP. Tennessee. 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 OSP. Ovin St. Prue. Plus 200. Come back on him. I want OSP to win here. I think he's like, what is he, like 3-0 and or something? Like, or 0-3? Pull that up here. But, yeah, I want him to win a lap. I don't know what the hell he's doing, man. I really don't. Uh, I look it on Instagram, um, and he didn't really keep that updated. I think, like, a year ago, he went out to, like, San Diego and, like, was doing some 10th Planet training. And he's worked with the 10th Planet guys before, and that was cool. Kind of wanted to see him do more of that, but I don't. It's on a two-fight losing streak. Dominic Reyes and uh, Nikita Krylov, but I don't know about that chin, man. I mean, you know, he got knocked out by Reyes, even though it's not listed, so that would be three, three and three, and a lot of these happen in the second round, you know, and when he does get knocked out, especially, it's like the second round, or even not even knocked out, but like last fight, Nikita Krylov was like uh, similar to his Jimmy Manawan one, right? Like he just kind of, sometimes every now and then, maybe it's a bad weight cut as he's getting older, he's always been a big 205-er, right? And OSP will just take these dumps. Whereas, here's the bad thing about Oleksijic is like Oleksijic used to be the first round. Maybe, you know, th th that would be more OSP's opening and make this much more of a volatile, heavyweight feeling fight, right? Maybe the line would be a little closer because Oleksijic used to like kind of get his ass kicked and then kind of have to come back in fights. But now, as he's, you know, after the USADA suspension, fighting the higher level of competition, we're seeing Oleksijic like. Oleksijic getting off to like really fast starts where he's fucking bombing on uh, John hey, John Volante GP Volante or should I say DP Volante right Weidman hey come on John maybe uh, but you know it goes to the body or yeah, you know or uh, fucking just those uppercuts which I think the uppercuts could have some play here against OSP that he was hitting on look at his thighs Joe Rogan <laughs> Got him more into good luck. Look at his thighs. Um, and, uh, you know, 
Oleksijuk, I don't know what he's doing for training, though. I mean, like, he looks like he's, like, doing the Glover's Garage, uh, Glover's Garage gym, but, like, the uh, Poland version. Like, he's got, like, young kids in there, and, like, <laughs> and, you know, I love me some Teixeira, but MMA had Abercrombie and Fitch t-shirts. Glover's Garage established 2008 would be would be one faux show. Um, so I guess what I'm saying here is I think Oleksijuk could do it early, but I think he, I think he does it in the second round. Excuse me. I'm sure he's a popular parlay piece, but it is also scary because he scrambles well. In fact, that's his saving grace. But he's not beyond being taken down. And OSP, when he's on, he's on. But like I said, with, with Khalil, you could say that about a lot of guys, right? However, he does have some positions that he's a real killer from when he gets there. So I will be curious to see if they grapple. That is my kind of one reservation. I will still probably end up you know, doing some kind of fun parlay. Uh, uh, another one before the fight. Uh, you know, uh, That'll be less less of the amount than the one that my main one here, which I'll be giving you guys. Um, and, of course, he'll be in just that for fun one in the main card. But, yeah, so I don't know. I'm not really a parlay guy, folks, but if I do a third here for fun, it's uh, definitely do some Oleksijic. But I actually played round two plus 415. I played plus by, uh, or I played uh TKO minus one, 110. I didn't write that down here. All right. Uh, next fight, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, minus 140. Nicholas Dalby, plus 120. Um... Initially, I feel like it could be a really tough fight for Dalby, where you're just kind of heartbroken, like, oh, he's going to get smashed by Oliveira. And Oliveira does deserve to be the favorite, but, man, I went back to watch some Dalby, because I really haven't watched much. I just watched highlights of that bloody fight, but I went, I, I, bought, I you know, watched his fight against Lahore. I think that's how you, you say his name, and, uh, you know, uh, his, the other fights over there in Cage Warriors, and uh, man, Dalby, man, he uh, he actually could be a bad matchup for him if he if he if he gets, especially if he gets out of that first round. I think his 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 chances amplify. Um, Alex Oliveira, man, it could be a case of two things: one, because one, he could be fi- kind of figured out here in a sense, like okay, he's dangerous, he's got dangerous hooks, he's strong inside the clinch and on top. But if you get this guy on his back, if you make him work. Or he uh, put him, even if you can't hurt him, obviously if you hurt him, but even if you can't hurt him, put him through adversity and make him work, you can break this guy down. Um, you, you know, fight that he's winning against Gilbert Burns on his debut, Grant, you know, against Gilbert Burns, submitted by him, UFC debut, cutting stupid amount of weight. Okay, granted. Maybe that's why he, he faltered. Hey, he doesn't always falter in the third round, Dan. He he, he iced Piotr Holman in the third round at UFC Fight Night 77. Very true. And I love Cow, uh, Cowboy Oliveira and his manager, Alex Davis. And I believe that we should be careful about throwing these things, speculations. And I probably am a little too liberal without proof or anything like that. I'm just going to say that fight was four years ago. Piotr Holman was an overachiever who would just, to put it nicely, that we saw his ceiling was clear. That was in Brazil. That was pre one of the last last uh, things before USADA, cards before USADA. I'm just, I'll leave it at that. And then that was at 155. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. 
Uh, other than, because when you look at it, you know he he will you know Nancy Madero's that was that was an awesome fight. Or when you just when you get him to his back, you know really bad things happen. Uh, just look at the polar opposites of the Tim Means fight. Little breaks here here or there. He gets, he gets a complete different performance, even though he was getting his ass kicked like me and many predicted. Uh, the first fight, right, kind of comes back and if he, he gets certain positions. Um, I don't think he's going to get those from Dalby. You know, Dalby is a really good scrambler, uh, underrated wrestling. It looks like he's continuing to work on that. I think he's like a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, strong there. Uh, good, well-timed takedowns. He's always had that since before the UFC. And Dalby gets stronger. We've seen it. He, he, we've seen it. I mean, unless he really gets iced and stopped, like you, you break his orbital, um, but even in that, he'll keep going. I mean, he gets injured, he keeps going. Bloody, he keeps going. And he'll have his strongest rounds, even if you dropped him and hurt him in the third round. Uh, so that's right, Derek Love. I did it. I, I picked Albie here. I played him straight up as a dog. Uh, plus 121 unit, but I also did the, the Derek Love round three. It was a high round three, too. Usually your average for round three is going to be about plus 1,200, folks, especially this deep in a fight week. Dalby, despite his strength in round three, and again, Oliveira's on-paper suspicions in round three, Dalby round three was plus 1675, plus 1675. Put a quarter unit on that little, sprinkle a little on that little bad boy there. Um... So we'll see. We'll see. Also, again, you know, then I, doesn't mean you're going to win because you're the hometown guy, you know, which is why I picked, you know, uh, a guy like Guido Canetti to beat, what's his name, uh, Diego Rivas, you know, because it's it just because just he was the only Chilean doesn't mean he's going to win. That being said, uh, Dalby ain't no Diego Rivas. And uh, although Oliver ain't no Guido Canetti either, um, I do like Dalby's chances here uh, at plus money. Uh, whether it's decision or he gets the late finish. Uh, I kind of played it uh, to hedge at both, assuming he wins. All right, next fight, Alan Amadovsky, minus 130. John Phillips, plus 110. Amadovsky ended up on my fight footage research because he fought uh, a guy that I was just researching over in Bellator. Oh, yeah, uh, Will Flurry. He's the only guy to beat Will Flurry. And, you know, they had the name Amadovsky, the undefeated record. Everybody got fooled, man, even the hardcores. Yeah, I was telling y'all, I was telling y'all on this podcast, he's not Russian. He's fucking Macedonian. There's a difference. Nothing wrong with Macedonian people, by the way. Shishka pishka. Uh, <laughs> that means, uh, well, anyways. Uh, but, yeah, a Macedonian guitar player would teach me dirty words. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, he's, not like a, he's not like an Alex Volkanovsky. Macedonia, Macedonia in there. Um, he's Alan Amadovsky, uh, and he's not very impressive, man. This guy, you know, he's got some uh, R strength, special strength. I'm trying not to say it. What is this? <laughs> trying not to say it. Um, but, yeah, uh, but, but John Phillips is way more, <laughs> more of that strength, and he uh, – Processes in a knockout power. A judoka, boxer, and uh, possibly, um, what's his name? God damn it. Played fucking Bane, Peaky Blinder. Imagine the Tom Hardy. Uh, possible Tom Hardy, uh, Tom Hardy from uh, fucking Jesus. What's that MMA movie that he did? God damn it. Dan. Possible Tom Hardy from Warrior Impersonator John Phillips. There we go. Um, 
Phillips coming off three losses and UFC's keeping around because he's entertaining. And also, I love me some Jack Marshman. The Hammer Marshman. Jack. Another, another Welsh Jack coming on the card. Uh, later. Uh, but <laughs> that was terrible. I love, I, love, I love my Welsh brothers and sisters. I'm sorry. Uh, that was a terrible impression. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, let's be honest. As much as I love Jack Marshman, he probably didn't win that fight. Uh, so there's probably a little bit of that going on. So they gave John Phillips another shot here. And uh, yeah, man. Shit, uh, he's not. It's good. Amadovsky ain't taking John Phillips down, and they're gonna have to swing. Um, and uh, Amadovsky, he's went against Gabbage for the most part. We really haven't seen him take any flush shots. Uh, so, in his one loss is by submission. Um, or we, well, we saw him actually take some shots in the Yako fight. But yeah, I, I think I think John Phillips can knock him out here. Uh, I just plus money by Phillips. I didn't think that looked right at the beginning of the week. Uh, I got around to my studies this fight later in the week, and it's still plus money, so put me down. I uh, just took a unit on a plus, plus 110. Moving on. Mahmoud Maradov, minus 150. Alessio DiCirico, come back on the underdog, plus 130. DiCirico actually opened as the favorite. The line shifted on this one, uh, which got me real curious, and I can see why. Uh, if you were someone who got... Uh, Mahmoud, then as a dog, then good on you because that's really was the only excuse to touch this fight. I don't really even as a slight favorite or Dicharico as tempting as he might be because he's the proven product and you know he lost close decisions. You could argue, you could really argue he won that Kevin Holland fight and even in his debut against Boyan Velichkovich. I mean, aside from losing a couple key moments in the rounds, you know you could argue he won the majority of that fight. So he's just kind of been in those weird fights. Had a bad performance I think against Gareth McClellan, even if he won. Can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, like, uh, and man, D. Jericho, man, uh, and this comes, it's gonna come into the analysis too, because uh, well, I'll, I'll actually, I'll say this part. Let's get let's get to Mahmoud real quick. So I went to look at Mahmoud and I watched like three or four of his fights, and was actually pretty impressed. It's weird because he doesn't have like, like, where's this guy from? Is he trained? He's he reps Russia, is the Russian name, but he doesn't have master of sports, anything, no wrestling. No, nothing. He's just a well-rounded guy, and I, like I'm reading his profile on the thing, and he's just like, I'm very, very sneaky. Like I'm like, who are you, John Turturro from fucking Mr. Deeds? Like he's like, I'm very well-rounded. Like I said, I'm very sneaky, and like his personality comes through in this bio. I'm like, all right, this guy. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, this. <coughs> ah, that's me. Excuse me. I was like, well, this guy talks the talk, man. And then I watched him. I'm like, he actually pretty is damn pretty damn well rounded. Switches stances, really good kicks. Um, boxing can use some work, but you know he'll throw punches together when he feels in stride and in maybe not the traditional movements. But he he'll, he'll get out of the way, recircle in, and, and get his head out of the way. So he does have defense. He's not devoid of it completely, which is good. Um, pretty good wrestling too. I think he's going to be the better wrestler than D. Chirico, Really athletic. Uh, and just really well schooled in MMA and in his transitions. Uh, looks really competent on the ground. Good ground and pound. Good floating from positions. Looks like he could take a submission if it's there. Um, I don't know if he get finishes off a tough guy like the Chirico, uh, but I, I think he wins for skills. And more than that, he has something that I always talked about with Jack uh, Jack Hermanson early on. And look where he is now. Uh, he all when I, when I saw Jack Hermanson in Cage Warriors, he had it was a, I, I always say him or like guys like Connor, and it was funny because they were complete opposites. But the common thread is they could be complete different 
attitude intangible, but they have to have a, a, an attitude intangible. They, they have to have an attitude intangible in the first place, right? Uh, and Hermanson kind of had one. Um, and, you know, he comes on, does well, and then, you know, as he kind of shares, he actually, you know, has his own demons, and he has to kind of start dealing with those, figures out, gets a, gets a head coach, and kind of, you know, um, does things accordingly. Now, back to Mahmoud, he seems to have that too. By the way, he also has a really weird twitch. Like, if I'm coaching against Mahmoud, I'm telling everybody, every time off the breaks, just spam anything on the right side up high, whether it's a right hook, an overhand right, or a head kick. Fucking throw that off of every break. Throw that at the end of every fucking exchange, whether you started it or not. End it with that. Because Mahmoud does this thing where it could... It's weird, like, uh, you know, people pick up on Dustin Poirier doing the thing where he will kind of lift his lead short, like kind of the Muay Thai fighter twitch, right? Like, I'm going to show you my thigh. Let's go thigh for thigh. It's like this weird fucking twitch, right? Or Forrest Griffin had that weird one where he would touch his nose with his lead hand, right? He kind of had that boxer's arm where you're kind of swinging that lead arm. Saul Rogers does it. Uh, BJ Penn did it a little bit, or, uh, you know, especially early on in his career. He probably still does it in, in this weird, retarded, I said it, God damn it. Uh, iteration that he's at right now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, everyone has their own weird twitches, and Mahmoud's twitch is like his left arm will go straight down and touch his cup, almost like he's calling for, like, if I was a ref, I would be constantly going, did you get hit in the groin? Because it looks like those things where you're going, oh, I got hit in the groin. Like, like you know how fighters will call for a groin hit where they won't look at the ref because they're smart. They want to keep the eye on their opponent, but they'll kind of make a grimace or a weird face, and they'll kind of tap their cup a little bit. Like, he does that. Uh, maybe minus the grimace and, and shit, but like he's constantly like looks like he's tapping his cup. Like oh, I got hit in the cup. It's a weird twitch. Uh, but back to the attitude intangible uh, point that I was making with Mahmoud and kind of correlating with others is that he'll have like the oh no, you didn't get me. Oh, come on, come on. And it's not like your typical cockier. Like he's just trying to be an asshole. Like he really has that kind of I'm playful attitude. It almost reminds me of Kevin Holland, which is apropos because Kevin Holland was really pissing DeChirico off. And, like, DeChirico really comes off like an asshole, man. Like, I was telling Julian Marquez this after his fight with him. Like, you know, Marquez, granted, missed weight. But, like, you know, it's a close fight. You could have argued, could have gone Julian's way. And uh, it's a close fight. He gets the decision. And he's still pissed. Like, DeChirico, even when he wins, he's still pissed. Like, he's, like, taking shots at Julian. He was like, oh, he's too... He eats too much. He eats too much. He eats too, like he, he said it like twice. I'm like Jesus Christ. Like man, cazzi, cazzo. You know that fucking Italian machismo there. And um, these guys get heated. Even the the nicer ones, the ones that I like, like Marvin Vittori. Man, he'll get. You, we saw how heated he gets too, right? And then at the end of the fight, where he probably thought he won, and I, I thought he won. Most people probably thought that Jericho won against Kevin Holland in that fight. But then, uh, and Kevin Holland like is like so nice to him at the end, and like and like, and he's just like, you know, you talk too much, you talk too much, and it was like a dick to him. And then Kevin Holland like still goes back over to try to be nice to him, and DeCherico still just like, no, 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 he wouldn't even like shake his hand, like walked away, and even his corner like shake Kevin Holland's hand. And then I think DeCherico felt bad and went to go shake Kevin Holland's corner's hand, but then one of them was like, nah, you, you shake my friend's hand, I'm shaking your hand, and rightfully so, you know. Uh, and I'm not bringing that to just, you know, try to character assassinate DeChirico here or hang him by the stake. He's a really, you know, well-rounded fighter, one of the better ones from Italy, you know. But uh, 
he's an emotional guy. So if you're facing a real stick and move guy like Mahmoud, and he's kind of teasing you at the end of it, like I think we're gonna see Dechirgo get kind of pissed off and he's gonna play in the Mahmoud's hands. I haven't decided if I'm gonna play it yet. If that line starts to come down a little more, uh, a little closer, I may, I mean, I'll play Mahmoud straight up. But I, I don't feel comfortable taking a prop. I barely feel comfortable even really taking a side. Um, it almost made my avoid list, but if you have an angle or already took an angle, good on you. So I, it's not on my avoid list. Uh, I'll tell you what is, though. We're getting no avoid list territory now. This one is. Uh, Ismail Nardiev, minus 185. CR Bahadurzada, come back on him, plus 160 as your underdog. Um, I like Nardiev here. Again, I didn't pick him to upset Michelle Perhaceres, but I did tell you guys it was going to be a deceptively tough fight. It's a southpaw, distance could strike, but he also showed some really good rest, counter-wrestling. Uh, and he came up doing that, of course. Uh, he's got, got, got those creds, got amateur MMA creds. But he's still a young guy, like 22, so he's going to make those mistakes, getting the tough matchups, and especially against a guy like me and many of you, I'm sure, did, uh, underestimating Chance Ren counter. So does he bounce back here? I think so. Uh, he should have a wrestling advantage at Sierra Bahadur Zada. You know, he's, he, he's no slouch there. He's got some submissions, not off his back, granted. But he can scramble when he needs to. He's gotten better at that part. He's, he's kind of done, even though he's had all these injury layoffs with between those layoffs, doing stints over at Jackson Wink, training stateside. Pretty sure he stayed in Europe for this. That's what it kind of looks like from his Instagram. It's kind of hard to tell. But, you know, the fight's in Europe. Why, why come all the way out to the States and go back? Uh, I don't think I even looked at where Nardiev was training for this one, but uh, I'm going to go with Nardiev here. I don't know if he's going to... Uh, probably by decision, because Bahadur Zada is so damn tough. Um, but I think his southpaw stance can get the distance and he can play with Bahadur Zada, uh, but hopefully he doesn't play too long, because CR don't play. He plays for keeps. Uh, but I see Nardiev using his wrestling. It's just, does he get tired? Uh, good thing for him is, you know, Bahadur Zada has kind of, you know, slow, slow, shown to slow sometimes later in fights too. So I don't know if it's going to be, you know, he, he's not going to have uh, Darren Elkins' long and lanky cousin on top of him. So give me Nardia, but that's on the avoid list. I didn't really watch a tape on this one, I'll be honest, but I'm, I'm familiar with both and up to date on both fights. You got Macy Kaysian, Chesson. Minus 425, there's Lena Landsberg, the elbow queen. Come back on her as underdog, plus 340. Um, I like I like on here. She, she likes to, you know, go from the clench. She'll strike off the break or just fucking take you down, maul you, take your back. Uh, the problem is she has to cross into Lena Landsberg's proverbial strength, but for as many fights are in the clinch, she, she gets her butt kicked a lot of times there. I mean, Lena Landsberg, I mean, one thing you can count on, it's going to be minus 1,000 that she's going to have like one eye fucking swollen to the size of God knows how. Has Lena Landsberg faced Alexis Davis yet? Because I feel like if those two faced, like, it would be like literally like the Rocky and Apollo from Rocky 1, like their faces. It would be like that. Like, there's no way it couldn't be with the way those two girls seem to just <laughs> get blown up in their fights. You know, she, she had a really good win in her last fight, Lena Landsberg, against Tanya Evinger. I think I took a shot on Tanya because she was like a dog, but. You know, the odds makers in public were right, but I think they were right because Tanya was just, I think that was more of a case that Tanya was just shot more than anything. Um, whereas, whereas, you know, Chesson, she's got the physical intangibles, she's got the attitude intangibles, and I think she's going to be even extra motivated with, you know, losing her freaking apartment, almost dying and all that crazy crap. Uh, I don't think she's coming over here to lose. 
Um, she is the fourth leg of that uh, parlay I gave on the Bellator side of things with the chalk. Uh, so I believe it was... Uh, I played her kiss on... She's 425 now, but I got it at 420. 420, man. With uh, Benson Gallagher and McKee Jr. Uh, for like plus 156 or some shit like that. Uh, for fun. That, that was my chalky parlay from afar that I that I just put down. Um, for what that's worth. But I also liked the inside the distance. So I took that, I believe, at minus 110. Because I think she's just going to put it on her too heavy. And again, Lena Landsberg doesn't wear it well. And they'll stop that faster sometimes for girls. So yeah, I took Casey inside the distance. Minus 101, I should say. Sorry. Minus 101. And I just put... Uh, I put... Well, yeah, I went heavy on that one, 1.5. Heavy for me, for at least. I play like a 10-year-old allowance, folks. He'll X, he'll X. All right, next fight. On the avoid list, man. This is a tough one. I'm so excited for it. Marquee Casey, minus 150 versus Lando. Groovy Lando Venata, plus 130. This is tough. I want to take Lando all day because I like Lando. And against a uh, explosive guy, striker guy, English guy, if we're playing crude stereotypes, I want a guy that's more experienced and it's going to be a wrestling strike. And, uh, you know, but uh, I don't know if it's that easy. See, the thing is, D. Casey, it wasn't a case of, uh, you know, I was on Duffy, and it wasn't a case of one guy looking really bad, one guy looking really good, which was the case. But Duffy looked really bad because, you know, Regardless of what you think of his skills, he got fucking tagged early, man, in that fight by some 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 legit calf kicks, making him fight southpaw come and start around two. Um, and he really couldn't get back into the fight. And uh, Dia Casey was still showing he could compose himself, hit takedowns, and, and or, or flashy stuff come round three. Uh, even back in his fight, Frankie Perez, who granted, you know, Frankie Perez doesn't really stack up to uh, Lando Venata even. Uh, in the wrestling or otherwise overall. I'm not trying to take a shot on Frankie there, let's be honest. But that was an, a dog fight, an emotional fight, and we still saw uh, Diakesi show the ability to dig deep. Um, now he's training, you know, doing, uh, speaking of the late, you know, uh, the good leg kicks, now he's, you know, over training, I believe, in like Holland area, Hammer's Gym, um, which is where. Uh, Damn it. I'm sorry. But yeah, like, uh, I want to say it's in the, same, in the same areas like Golden Glory and all, all that up there. Real, you know, aggressive Dutch kickboxing. I was watching some of the power work. It was really good. I liked it because they're having Dikesi use his jab as a strike. And uh, that's going to be really good against Venata. You know, you saw Bobby, you know, Green uh, was able to do. And um, granted, you know, Tony Ferguson. But granted, those are long guys, long guys with long arms, and uh, Dia Casey. He's not short, but maybe he's not quite as long. I think he's long enough, and throwing things like that with the leg kicks, uh, that could have some some play here. Uh, Venata, you know, he can ice guys with head kicks too. We've seen it. Um, but as far as getting rock goes, I think we've seen Venata rocked more than Dia Casey, and we've definitely seen him take and wear damage, not as good, and just take more damage in general than Dia Casey. So for that reason, I kind of like Dia Casey. Also, you know, okay, well, let's say he does, Venana does go for his, his wrestling, his, his wrestling and scrambles that I saw on the regional scene that really won me over, you know, when he was doing, like, standing Granby rolls 
along the cage when guys were trying to take him down and shit, right? Um, good uptrends for Venata, possibly, uh, is that he, you know, fought smarter in his last fight. Literally, like, a week after his last fight, he posts out that he's back at Jackson Wink. Say what you will about Jackson Wink or that move. Uh, it probably means they're back to the uh, thoughtful game planning, right? So, um... So, yeah, and then, you know, I'm seeing pictures of him in the gi. Uh, he's no longer a purple belt that's still listed on his bio sheet here. He's actually a brown belt. So uh, those trends tell me that he's going to come in here and grapple. So, you know, and that, part of that had me starting to lean toward Venata again. But then when I look at it, even though he showed a pretty good pace and better pacing against uh, Matt Steamroller... Um, I still can't trust his gas tank, you know, I feel like just at his heart, he's just one of those fighters that, uh, he's going to need time to recoup and he will drop off. Whereas D. Casey recoups fast if he does drop off and can dog out rounds as we saw. So I guess what I'm trying to say is even if Venata comes out, fight smart, D. Casey seems like he's hard to take down, uh, you're getting harder to take down. His grappling looked really on point as well in the last fight against Duffy. Um, and yeah, so even if he does get past that and is able, you know, it's not going to be easy. He's going to have to extend a lot of energy to get D Casey down and then to hold him down. To me, it's, it's that if he doesn't get a finish on the feet or on the ground, that he's going to burn so much energy that I think D Casey's going to be able to just come back and, you know, in round two and it's going to be a sweaty fight. Um, Uptrend, more on probably Dia Casey. It's more for what adjustments are we going to see from Venata. So this fight could really go in a lot of places for those reasons. It's on the avoid list for that reason. I'm going to pick Mark Dia Casey, but to be honest, if I'm degenerate, it's like a dog or pass thing for me. Kind of unless unless you're really really confident, and know something I don't. But I think this fight's going to be sweating, sweaty. All right, uh, next fight. Oh, is this the last one? No, no, not yet, not yet. Not yet. Uh, Jack Shore making his UFC debut, minus 165, and no Hernandez, no Hernandez. Plus 145 is the comeback on the underdog. Um, I agree with this line in the spread, taking Jack Shore here. Uh, Jack Shore, bantamweight from... from Wales kind of looks like he's got the Brett Johns haircut. Uh, apparently a black belt in kickboxing. I mean, he's got some some decent leg kicks that he throws. Got some good knees, but really a lot of boxing. Steady pace kickboxing. Throws enough to stay on the scoreboard. Kind of hard to wash out. And can change up his levels. Go for his takedowns, uh, which he's gotten better at. Um, he's also the jiu-jitsu game. He's a traditional black belt in jiu-jitsu. And a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Jack Shore is... Uh, to go along with his uh, regional accolades there. Um, Cage Warriors, Bantamweight champ. Uh, but Noelle is uh, really deceptively good. You know, I said that the last time. Uh, Vera was probably going to submit him in the second round because Noelle was going to surprise him with his uh, counter-wrestling and striking. And I would argue that's kind of what happened, right? Um and uh, then we saw Noelle, what happened when uh, he ended up in bad position. He good ground and pound on top, but when he was in bad position, uh, it got tough. And Jack Shore 
is a lot more adamant about making those positions happen. I think he's like really just studied Khabib tape and just just goes through his chain from the Dagestani handcuff to the uh, you know just kind of uh, just blanking it over in the body, throwing his weight on top, doing the uh, the three quarter the three quarter mount, which I love. It's just a nice riding position. Kind of keep that top of your foot there, the instep and the and in the, the upper inner thigh, just to kind of pin them, feel them, ride them, float them. It's great, great. And while you, of course, punching them, um, and Jack Shore does all that stuff. So uh, no, Elan's gonna, you know, he's, he's, he's no slouch in the takedown defense himself. Um, so it, that that'll probably be the hardest part for Jack Shore. But once he gets into the scrambles and this fight starts kind of getting past round one. Um, I like his chances better. So the picks Jack Shore, not sure if I'm going to play it or what I'm going to do there. Maybe maybe sprinkle and submission. I don't know. All right, last fight, uh, and this one is also on the avoid list, and that is Brandon Davis versus Chika Chikatsi. Chika Chikatsi. Chikatsi. Plus 135. <laughs> I have too much fun saying that name. It's kind of like uh, again. Shouts to uh, MMA Roadshow. I was listening to their pre pre UFC Mexico, and they had the uh, who is that? It was, it was good. It was a really good journalist. But uh, he, this his pronunciation of Sakatakas, 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 It was great. It was really sticking in my head, and and. And uh, speaking of Italian, because I was speaking Italian earlier, va bene, non ti preoccupare. Uh, I was just thinking of uh, some Italian, uh, Sticazzi, and Chicacci. Chicacci. Chicacci is a glory kickboxer. Um, good leg dexterity when he transfers to the ground. Looks like he plays really well off of his back, but that doesn't do you well in MMA and the connecting pieces. Didn't really have, as we kind of saw him just fall apart at the end of his Dana White Contender Series bout. He's gotten two wins since then, but they were against really bad competitions. Um, so we don't know uh, what, if any, improvements he's made. Still tempted to pick him against Brandon Davis, but Brandon Davis, man. I like this fight's at featherweight. You know, he's not killing himself. Uh, Dom said it on the broadcast, props to him, but... Uh, Hey, props to me as well. I also said that as well. You know, the reason why I didn't go with him last time is like he's spending his whole camp focusing on bantamweight. Like that can't be good. What are you doing for skills training? And we saw that when he was getting you know out wrestled by a one legged man in, in Kyun Ho Kong. Uh, not a good look, right? That being said, it looks like it got in Davis' head. He's taking this fight 145, right? Um, he recently got promoted to a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu himself. Uh, you know. How is he? Is Brown about stacking against others? Okay, we can have that argument another time or when we get there, sure. But Jigitikatsu uh, doesn't have a Brown belt to offer him or really a belt, I don't think. Uh, and uh, I just like that initiative from Davis. He knows he's still got a lot to work on. And uh, it just looked like he's really thinking about skills training. And he's got that experience. I think that carries him through here. But even at minus 155, it's not sexy enough to play it. I don't know if either of these guys get each other out of there. It seems like it would be one of those fights. The line kind of is giving it that respect despite it being a lower weight class fight. But uh, I have no fucking clue. I'm going to go with Brandon Davis by decision. 
uh, a decision that ends up looking more dominant down the stretch as it goes on. But uh, I don't think I could play it. Uh, maybe I will degenerately if it comes even down even a little lower. But it is on the avoid list, uh, to be honest. All right, let's recap that. How did we do on, on time here? Over 107. Geez, pretty long one. All right, I am taking Jack Hermanson over Jared. Can taking Hermanson over Cannoneer. Taking... And I don't know why I came here to Mr. Blonde, Michael Matson, Mark Matson, Michael Matson over Belrado. Yeah, taking Gilbert Duhino Burns over Gunnar Nelson, taking Khalil Rountree over Eon Kudalaba, taking Michael Oleksajak over O. OSP, OSP, over OSP, taking Nicholas Dalby over Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Taking John Phillips over Alan Amadovsky. Taking Mahmoud Muradov over Alessio DeCirico. Taking Ismail Nardiev over CR Bahadurzada. Taking Macy Chasson over Lena Landsberg. Taking Mark Casey. Over Lando Venata taking Jack Shore over Nohelan Hernandez taking Brandon Davis over Chikatsi. Uh played Dalby straight up at a unit plus one twenty. Played John Phillips straight up plus one ten. Uh don't follow me off the cliff because there's a bias all over it, but I played uh Roundtree one point five at uh at minus one thirty there. Um that's it on the that's it on the straight plays. As far as props, I did uh, Matson inside the distance plus one twenty for one unit. Dalby round three uh, plus one six seventy five uh, quarter unit. Uh, Chasson inside the distance minus one oh one at one point five. Uh, Oleksajic sprinkled in the round two plus four fifty prop. Also played Oleksajic by TKO minus one ten. Um, I put a. Uh, 1.5 on that, too. It kind of went a little big on that, didn't I? <laughs> um, and uh, Hermanson by sub, plus 160, sprinkled on that. Uh, and that's it for that. Avoid on the avoid list. Brandon Davis. I really like saying that. Can you tell? CR Bahadurzada and RDF also on the avoid list. And lastly, on the avoid list, may the force be with you, folks. Lando Venata. Mark D. Casey. All right. You can leave me a positive review. Five-star ratings and reviews are appreciated. I will read those along with the questions. I promise I keep Matt Damoning these questions. I will get to those on the next podcast. But five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes, it's much appreciated. Guess we are coming to Stitcher and all the other platforms very, very, very shortly here. But that's uh, that, is, that is just very appreciated. Share the podcast, please. Smartphone-friendly players at MixedMartialAnalyst.com. Where the links will be reinstalled and back up. Although I will say the Onnit one works. The Amazon's up. I don't think that's working for you guys. The Onnit one works. It will go uh, to the podcast a percentage. No extra cost to you if you like Onnit products. And of course, I don't like to plug it, but it did on the last one was a nice little uh, donation tab there for uh, PayPal. Nice and secure in case you want to support the free show and the future services that I would like to provide for you guys via this show in the future be, be greatly appreciated um, 
Other than that, enjoy. Reminder to go to the last podcast for the Bellator 228. Or if it's not too late, you can still go check out the Bellator Dublin uh, preview. Kept it all business, as I will going forward. Good luck with your picks and plays, folks. And always protect the ice.